Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. Back at it once again, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. This is your host, Philip Randazzo, and today we have an exclusive one-on-one interview coming to you guys. As you know, it's Monday. We have exclusive interviews, exclusive content coming to you guys each and every Monday. We don't stop, and uh, sometimes that's to the detriment of us, to the benefit of you, but this show is all about the people, so you guys always come out on top. So today, we have really one of the highest level guests we've had on the show in quite a while, and this is a gentleman who really has taken optimization, automation, outsourcing, has really created a life that is kind of tailored to exactly what he wants and what he needs. He's created this external brain, which is something that he talks about in his resources, which we are going to link to. I mean, this guy is really achieving at the highest level, and I'm super excited to bring my conversation with him to you. And that conversation is with Mr. Ari Mizell, and Ari is the founder of Less Doing. And really what Less Doing is about is exactly what it sounds like, less doing, more living. And really, Ari has accomplished a lot in his life. He's surmounted a lot of obstacles. In 2006, Ari was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And for for those of you that know, Crohn's is really an incurable disease. I mean, it's something that happens in your digestive, digestive tract. And it's one of those things where, you know, people don't believe it's curable, but Ari, through a lot of rigorous exercise, yoga, nutrition, supplementation, naturally, all these things. He got off all of his medications and was able to basically cure himself of Crohn's disease and compete in the Ironman France in 2011. And that was really just the start of it. And since then, he's spoken at a regional TED Talk about his struggle and what he's accomplished. And, you know, through his process of data collection and self-tracking and analysis, Ari basically developed less doing out of that. And this is really just a way of dealing with the daily stresses of life by optimizing, automating, and outsourcing all of your tasks in your life and business. And again, this is a high-level guest who is sharing some high-level stuff with us. I'm going to stop blabbering on and let you guys just hear it for yourself. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ari Mizell. Enjoy the show. You are listening to the Yield Mastermind Talks podcast. Enjoy the show. Ari, welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Always nice to talk to you. Yeah, you as well. You as well. And it's it's exciting to get you on the show because you have a very unique perspective with regards to how you get work done, the level at which you are producing, your productivity, all that good stuff. And, you know, I would assume that it didn't always start that way. So if you wouldn't mind just giving... Uh, you know, my audience, just a quick rundown of who you are and kind of how you came to be the Ari Mizell of today. Yeah, so I have been an entrepreneur my whole life. And after college, I started working in construction, doing a development in upstate New York. And after a couple of years of living a very unhealthy lifestyle, I got really sick and I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And 
it was, it, for those who don't know, Crohn's is an incurable disease of the digestive tract. And I got real sick and real weak very quickly. And having been in a situation where I was working like 18 hour a days, and now I was so weak and sick that I could barely work an hour a day, I had to come up with something not only to save myself, but also to function and get my work done, get work done and support my family. So I developed a brand new system of productivity, which I would call less doing, as in less doing, more living. And through that, I would teach people how to optimize, automate, and outsource everything in their lives and their businesses in order to be more effective. And I was coaching, consulting, and speaking all around the world for years. And then about a year ago, with my partner, Nick Sonnenberg, we started a virtual assistant company called Less Doing Virtual Assistants. And it's just been like a rocket ship since then. That's incredible. That's incredible. And so, you know, how does one go about, you know, figuring out how to be more productive? I mean, working 18 hour days down to about one hour a day. I mean, what was that process like for you? How did you weed out things that worked and didn't work? And how did you ultimately come to this formula that you have today? So, yeah, and it's it's a good exercise to go through my system of, or my methodology really, which again is the optimized automated outsource. And with optimization, you're really looking at tracking. So everything that we do, and pretty much everything, can be tracked in one way or another nowadays, and it's it's pretty easy to do it depending on what you're looking at, uh, whether it's how much time you're spending on the computer or what you're eating or how much you're sleeping. We can track everything. And once you start to look at the data, you get a little bit of control, and I believe that control is the antidote to stress. And then you can start to look at areas of your life that you can change things and have a measurable impact. And that's really where it starts. And that, that could be with anything. In a health case, it could be with your, with your blood testing and, and doing specialized testing, if it were, as it were, or tracking your sleep and your energy levels and seeing how you can correlate those other things. So it really comes down to that. And for the time one, it's actually easy. There's, like, there's an app. It depends on what you do. But for example, if you work on your computer a lot, there's an app called Rescue Time. And Rescue Time will sit on your computer in the background, and it will watch how you use your computer. And it will tell you that this week you spent two hours on Facebook and 14 hours on email. And Tuesday was your most productive day. And that's really powerful information because then you can start to put your more trying projects or your more interesting projects on those days where you're more productive. And you'll start to see a dramatic shift in the way that you work. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And so for someone who's, you know, they're a millennial, they're either still in college or potentially working, you know, a full-time gig and they have their, their side passion projects that they're doing, where would you recommend that someone like that get started? Would you recommend that they, you know, keep track of their time? Does it make more sense to, you know, is there like a resource that you might recommend they check out? What would you offer to someone in that kind of category? So, okay, there, there's very basic and uh, impactful thing you can do. There's a thing, and depending on the research you look at, and it's called, either it's called uh, peak time, biological peak time, or prime time, depending on, on which research you read. And essentially what it is is that we as human beings have a roughly 90-minute period every day where we are two to 100 times more effective than any other time of the day. And it's completely different for every, every person. So in that time, you are the most likely to be able to jump right into or I guess fall into a flow state and really do your highest and best work with ease. And, and flow state, if you've never experienced it, I mean that's, that's where – you sit down to write 
your thesis of 25 or 40 or 50 pages and you feel like five seconds went by and you wrote it all. That's, that's flow state. So you can find that peak time. And there is an app which I fortunately created for this very purpose, which is completely free. Uh, it's called the Less Doing Peak Time app. And it will use something called the Central Nervous System Tap Test to hone in on what your suggested peak time is. And then if you start to do some of your most important work in that time, you will be astounded. Uh, and, and it's interesting because if that 90-minute period is up to 100 times more effective than other times of the day, then the question, again, of could you only work an hour a day really becomes very valid. Yeah, I mean, most definitely. And and for those of you who are listening to this, I mean, you you know when you've experienced peak time or flow state because, like you mentioned, I mean, it's it's so different from the level of work that you're accomplishing throughout the rest of the day. And I'm, I'm going to kind of shift gears here. So, you know, you you get diagnosed with Crohn's disease, you're only able to work roughly an hour a day, and you're using some of these productivity tools and things that you share, you know, through your Less Doing podcast, through your website, through some of your books, which we'll get into. And, you know, people out there listening probably have side projects or things that they're passionate about as well, but they're unsure about how to take that and turn that into a business. And so you being an entrepreneur, you know, this is something that you obviously did to get to where you are. What were some of the biggest challenges or hurdles that you faced as you took, you know, what you were doing to yourself and tried to help other people implement that? So, okay, well, so our we have a really interesting business here, the way that we started at least. And and I'm going to answer your question, but I also wanted to illustrate to people how they can test their ideas if they are thinking of starting a company. But we started with completely free tools. We didn't invest a single penny. We still haven't actually, a year later, have not invested a single dollar into the company other than money that we made. And we were profitable and scalable from day one, which is very unique. And we also were able to validate our idea very quickly. The challenge that we faced from the beginning was we, we were able to scale because of the way we were set up, but we have to continue. And to this day, we have to work constantly on being able to scale better because in our business, there's a lot of labor involved and very highly skilled labor and a lot of quality control. And we're, we're setting a very high bar for what we do. So that, that the biggest challenge that people have to realize, there's a big difference between owning your own job and starting a company. Mm. And it's a very important distinction. There's nothing wrong with either one because for the longest time, for six years of less doing, I owned my own job. I did not have a company. I had a brand, I had a blog, I had a book, I taught people around the world, I, 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 I coached, I, I did speaking. I didn't have a single employee, I didn't run a team, I didn't create anything like that, I didn't, I didn't have an office. I had me, and I was fortunately, I'd say, a little bit more progressed, and that's not the right way to put it, but basically like a, a little bit beyond being a freelancer because I was able to make money while I was sleeping still because I had programs and things that would provide passive income, but... I still had to keep pushing the engine myself. So, and again, that's fine. And that may be what you want to do. Now, I definitely run a company because my partner and I have 125 people working under us. We're in 11 time zones. It's a big machine. And if I go on vacation for a week or my partner goes on vacation for a week or we both go on vacation for a week, the company will not only continue to operate, it'll continue to grow. So, you know, and that's that's a obviously a huge jump going from just you to now 125 people in 11 time zones. You know, what are some of the hurdles that you're facing with regards to you know 
not just having to deal with just you anymore. You got 125 people underneath you. What are some of the things that you're coming up against? Yeah, so I, I think this is less of an issue now. It hasn't it, it hasn't been an issue for us, and I, I thought that in some ways we might have gotten lucky, but I also think it's becoming more the norm. And what I mean uh, by that big buildup is remote companies and having like a team culture. So a lot of companies, even big, big, big corporations, they'll have some people at least who are remote nowadays. It's just much more common. And we had never done that before and we're demanding a very high level from people. And there's situations where it's like if you screw up, we run the risk of somebody who works for us being like, well, hey, I don't care. I'm out of here. Like, and that, that can ha- it hasn't happened, thank God. But it could happen. Um, so it, it, it's, it's different, obviously, when you're not going to see somebody in the office every day. It's also different when everybody who's working for you is a contractor, not an employee. Mm. You know, you just have a, lot, you have a lot less control. But that, I believe, at least in our business and a lot of others, people really work best when they have their control over their own situation. So, yeah, you might like to have somebody be an employee and be able to tell them that they have to do six hours every day or work in this particular place. But the truth is, is that what you risk in not having them like quote unquote lockdown, you gain in them being able to work at their best capacity in their most productive environment. Yeah, th- those are all fantastic points. And so I'm going to switch gears once again and, and you know ask you what are your ideas or thoughts around having a mentor? Do you currently have a mentor? Do you believe that there's power in having mentors? What are your ideas around that? So I definitely believe in it. I don't currently have one. Uh, I have had several throughout my life, I guess, and in college particularly, I had a few that I always looked up to as mentors. But at this point, I don't currently have a mentor. Uh, And and again, I do see a lot of value in it. So when you were in college and you had some of those, you know, high quality mentors, what was it about them? What were some of the qualities that they had that uh, that you looked for and that really helped push you forward as as those mentors did? So (laughs) I Let's see the the people. So there were there were three basically, and I worked for two of them while I was at college, and one was just a professor that I was very close with. And they, I went to the Wharton School for undergrad. So pretty much everybody that teaches at Wharton has accomplished something pretty big and successful in business before they came and teach there. It's just one of the nice things. So there's just so much to learn just from being around them. And if you look at, if you take the you know the the now famous quote, really made famous by Tim Ferriss, that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. I was spending time with these people who were very, very accomplished and had done a lot with their lives and had seen a lot. And I just always found that to be extremely helpful the way that I did things. Plus, um, I, I don't, I mean, there's probably some psychologists who figure out what this is, but I've always had this thing personally where I'm, I was always looking to like, um, please older male figures, you know, like father figures basically. And so I think I always sought that kind of, person out to work with as uh, a young man. And so there was that as well, which made me strive to, to do more. Uh, with regards to like the mentor-mentee relationship, you know, what would you say to a younger person who's looking to get a mentor and, and how to make that relationship really successful and to help them thrive? Okay. So, I mean, it's, it's actually pretty easy, honestly. It's like you have to just find somebody who you think is someone that you can learn from. So that's pretty easy. And yeah, well, it would be great to have Mark Cuban be your mentor. Like, it's probably not very likely it would happen, and, and more importantly, it doesn't. They wouldn't necessarily have the, someone like that wouldn't necessarily have the time to really give you to do that. But 
aside from that, most people who you think might not be that approachable are really approachable when you ask them to be your mentor. The only thing is that you really have to have something to offer. Because if you just come to somebody and be like, hey, will you mentor me? That's, that's like the kiss of death. There's no way. And I personally, too. Because I get those kind of requests as well. And I would not want to work with somebody who has that kind of thing in mind. You need to have a plan. And that is like, what do you want to get out of them being your mentor? What do you hope to gain? And how much of their time do you expect to utilize? If you tell them, look, I'd love to just talk to you once a month for half an hour. Or I just want to be able to send you an email. I promise I won't email you more than once a week or more than once a month or more than whatever. Uh, just to get like your feedback on this kind of thing, it would be so. It would mean so much to me. That that kind of thing, and so to identify the person, I think is the easiest part. Perfect, perfect. And so, uh, Ari, what would you say has been you know the biggest accomplishment in your life to date? And that could be anything. It could be business. It could be personal. It could be athletics. Whatever it is, what what would you say the biggest accomplishment you've had uh, in your life so far? Well. We have just had our fourth child, and it's a girl. Fantastic. Thank you. It's our first girl, and no discredit to my boys, but I, <laughs> I really love my girl. I got to say, she's only five months, but I already like there's like a different connection. I have to. It's it's kind of amazing. Um, and the, but it's more than it's just her. Uh, she. Uh, this this sounds so crazy, but I feel like uh, before her, we were sort of like missing a piece of the puzzle mm. in our in our family, uh, because three boys is insane oh I my just, I, I can only imagine yeah anybody listening like it's it's not a good idea it really <laughs> is uh and our three were we have uh we had a well now let's see ben is uh four and a half but we had four kids under the age of four uh and oh one my goodness yeah and so ben was 14 months when the twins were born and twin boys are crazy and three boys that close in age are basically triplets and that's crazy uh, but the only way out is through sometimes, so it was a good thing for us. But yeah, so Chloe has really like completed our family. And so let's just go ahead and, and kind of talk really briefly about relationships. I mean, obviously you and your wife, I'm sure, have a great relationship, and obviously every relationship um, you know, is a journey, and there's things that are developing and things that need to be worked on. But uh, what would you say has been some of the keys to you having successful relationships, and that could be with your wife and then with other people as well? Um, so I think that I am a fairly good empathizer, uh, fairly good. I'm not the best, but I'm fairly good. And, and, and particularly with the team that we work with. So, I mean, personal relationships are, you can come up with a million different ways to sort of make those good or bad or, or or do what you want to. And I, I don't think I'm the, the, like, the uh, the top of the top for that anyway but in terms of like running a team and a team culture and everything we uh, on a regular basis the people who work for me and work for us tell me that this is the best job they've ever had and that's like the most amazing thing for me to ever hear and part of that is because I actually honestly part of it is because I have a really good memory so I remember things about people and their lives, and I can recall them very easily. It's something that has always been something that I've been able to do. And so I know uh, like the names of the kids of the people that work for us, and I know where they all are, and I know when they went on vacation, why and where they went and how was it. And, so, and it's genuine. I mean, I really I care, and I do remember this stuff, and it just makes it really easy to talk to everybody about things and make them feel like they're part of something important. Yeah, man, I wish I had. Uh, I wish I could take a little bit of your memory skills and and uh, use it myself because that's one area where 
I could I could definitely use a boost. Just, um, get, just use less doing to clear out your mind, and then you got a good memory. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, seriously, this is a this is a good refresher for me. After attending your less doing live, it was like a blast in the face. Like, man, there's a lot of things that I really need to uh, to be looking at. And by the way, that event was absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you very much. And and so Ari, you know, you you have this this whole less doing business. You've got your podcast, your blog, etc. And then you you wrote your first book, your the the less doing book. And you know, really briefly, just kind of describe what that's about and what someone might be able to get from that. Because after reading that book myself, I mean, it was it was very short is the wrong word. It was very easy to read and it was very easy to understand how you can implement a lot of these things that you talk about within the book. Yeah, so well, first of all, the new book came out about a month ago. It's called The Art of Less Doing. And yes. I, I think that that was specifically designed to be a lot more accessible. The first book was mm. definitely had a lot of tech in it, a lot of apps, a lot of services. And the second book is way more high-level and philosophical. So, I mean, they're, they're, I think that people should get both. But if you're going to get one, I would actually get the newer one. And regardless, the book takes you through the nine fundamentals of less doing everything from creating external brain and the 80 20 rule to organization batching and wellness and and a bunch of steps in between and shows you the whole system that you can apply and now that's the other thing is the first book was definitely more focused on people individually and then the less doing system overall evolved into be able to help people's businesses so the second book really touched on that as well Fantastic. I love that it kind of evolved with you, the first one, and, and there you are as, you know, kind of this Ari Mizell entity, and now, you know, you've got this whole philosophical deal, and, and there, here you are working with a team of 100-plus. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're going to kind of wrap things up here and get into a, a little bit of a rapid-fire portion of the show. So if you could recommend, you know, obviously besides your two books, uh, are there any books that you would recommend that someone get into, you know, just getting started on their journey? Emergency by Neil Strauss is the book I recommend to everybody. It's one of it's my favorite book, and it really teaches you about the ability to transform yourself to adapt to a situation that can help you grow and the, the ways to do that in a very practical way. Fantastic! And and for everybody listening, we're going to be linking to all these things in the show notes. So don't worry; you don't have to you don't have to stop the show and jot it down or anything. We'll get that to you. And so, Ari, besides your podcast, which we are going to link to, are there any other online resources? Could be other podcasts, could be YouTube channels, other blogs, et cetera, that, that you refer to often? Yeah. So, uh, ProductHunt.com for sure is a website that I check daily to see all the new like web services and apps that people submitted or that they've started. And there's always something that sort of catches my eye. Uh, and then there is a, a podcast that I really like, which is called Partially Derivative. Hmm. And it's two data scientists talking about data science, which is, I think, <laughs> fascinating stuff. They, they open up a beer, like a craft beer each, and then they start talking about data science. And it's just, it's really cool. And, it, and it's relevant to, uh, data, like, data science is relevant to everything that everyone does. So, Fantastic. I'm going to have to get into that because I've yet to hear about that. So thank you for sharing. And uh, so Ari, if, if you had to get rid of every single part of your daily routine, and you could only keep one part of your routine, what would that one part be and why? It's a little tough because I don't have much of a routine because of the, <laughs> the, the way that our kids are. But, uh, I, I mean, I – let's see. Every morning, I mean, I make breakfast for the kids typically and, and usually for my wife too. And that 
it's a crazy time in the morning, but it's also, you know, when you go to like a museum or like a, like a, any kind of museum and they have the thing where you can drop a quarter in and it goes like around a big like funnel and then, yes. yeah, that's what our morning feel like. <laughs> today. Like I feel, you know, until like nine o'clock when the kids go to school, like that's what's happening. And so I wake up with one kid and then a second kid wakes up and then usually a third <laughs> and then my wife and then the fourth and then like we're all, and it's like, it's like every morning my family builds up together. That's awesome. That's got to be an awesome feeling. Good for you. And so, Ari, you know, as we wrap this up, where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? Best place to find out everything is at lessdoing.com. And you can, uh, you can go there and you can go to the assistant page and sign up for the service there or you find out about the blog or the books or anything else. Fantastic. And I'm, I'm not trying to throw you on the spot here, but we always end our show with our guests sharing one of their favorite quotes. Do you have a quote you'd like to share with us today? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll, hold on. I will tell you it right really quick because um, it's a long. It's well, it's not long, long, but it's it's slightly long. Fantastic. Uh, We're willing to wait. Okay, so I'm just looking it up right here. Hold on. Society progresses. That's it. So the the quote is from a. It was from an economist named Alfred North Whitehead, and he said that. Pulling it up right now. Sorry to keep you waiting. No, you're good. You're good. It's like a tension building. (laughs) Uh, Society progresses. Where is it? Okay. So, um, society can only progress by based on the number of processes that we can perform without having to think about them. Fantastic. Fantastic. I mean, that, that, that is the less doing mindset in a nutshell right there. Ari, man, thank you so much for, for taking your time to chat with us today. I know I've gained a lot and I know my audience has as well. Really, thank you. Thank you, Phil. That was fun. Fantastic. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. If you guys enjoyed that episode, please let us know. Find us at Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're going to be at Yield Mastermind on all those platforms. Check out our website, yieldmastermind.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those platforms. Please reach out to us. Let us know if you like the show. Let us know if you're loving the content. Please write us a review on iTunes if you feel the desire to. We really appreciate hearing from our audience and really understanding if you guys are loving what you're hearing or if you guys would like to hear something totally different. We're always open to that stuff. Thanks for listening. We hope you are enjoying this show as much as we are, and we can't wait for you guys to tune in next time.